In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third week of the blessed month of uh, Beba, and we see the church chose for us this morning um, an interesting passage where the Lord cast out a demon, and then the, uh, the Jews and the Pharisees at the time, they accused him of casting out the demon by the leader of the demons, or Beelzebub. Um, and if you think about it, their accusation doesn't make much sense. It's yani, unreasonable. Because they said they, he cast out demon by the demon. So the Lord brought to their attention that in order for him to do this, his kingdom must be divided. And any kingdom divided won't stand. So if you look at the kingdom of Satan, even this kingdom, as wicked as it is, it's not divided. right? The, Satan and the demons work together for the fall of man. Right? And actually the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, is also not divided, right? Because God and the angels and the saints, they're all interceding on our behalf for our salvation. Which kingdom is the only kingdom that's divided? Our kingdom, the earthly kingdom, right? This is the only place where the kingdom is divided. In Hades and in heaven, the kingdom isn't divided. Um, and if you think about um, uh, what distinguishes one kingdom from another, it is the obedience, whom they choose to obey. We call obeying God obedience to His commandments. And we, and we call um, like not obeying God disobedience. So what kingdom are we? Are we the kingdom of obedience or the kingdom of disobedience? So I'll speak this morning briefly about the different kinds of disobedience in our life. How is it sometimes we disobey God? You know, sometimes we... we we blatantly disobey him, and sometimes kind of we try to get in the gray area. So we'll speak a little bit today about the different kinds of disobedience. The first type of disobedience and the worst type is the proud refusal. The proud refusal. And this one, this person knows the commandment of God and just outright refuses to obey it for whatever selfish reason. Um, and for example here, Pharaoh, right? Pharaoh had 10 plagues for him to get him to obey the commandment of God to set the people free. And each plague was, you know, more miraculous than the, net, than the one previous. So despite all of these miraculous works that were done and witnessed by not only him, but the whole country, right? And the whole country suffered because of them. But with each time was this proud refusal. There's no way I'll let anybody come between my authority and kingdom and my people and the projects that I have going on. So this was like a proud refusal despite him knowing the commandments and direction of God. Um, <clears throat> perhaps for us, a person may refuse to admit their mistake and take responsibility for it. Even sometimes we may even fault God for it. There might come a time in our life where we, we want to do something wrong, and we know that it's wrong, and we know the church doesn't agree, and we know that God doesn't agree, but I do it anyway. And then when things go haywire and things go bad, we turn around and we say, God, why did you allow this? Why did you allow this? Was your, this was your doing, right? You might have somebody, um, for example, uh, who wants to get into an unhealthy relationship, and their parents tell them no, their priests tell them no, their, even some of their friends tell them no. And they still get into the relationship and say, this is the best thing for me. They get into the relationship and then you find they're miserable afterwards, right? They're abused and so on and they're left, you know, uh, alone. 
Why? This is proud refusal, right? Where I know this is something that's wrong, but I'm doing it anyway. <clears throat> Today, even in the face of sound reason, <clears throat> the Pharisees accused Christ of casting out demons by Beelzebub. And not only did they uh, see that the Lord cast out demons, but they witnessed him giving sight to a blind man and raising the dead with no question. But they still refused him as the Messiah and the chosen, uh, the chosen one. My beloved, <clears throat> the result of this proud refusal is death. Is death, separation from God. And this is exactly what condemned Satan, is his proud refusal. He refused to submit to the direction and command of the Lord uh, God. The second type of uh, disobedience or obedience is the partial obedience, right? Where I partially obey the command. If remember in the plagues again of Moses, after the fourth plague, the flies, um, the Lord told, uh, or Moses told uh, Pharaoh that let us go so we can worship our God. So after the fourth one, Moses, and he heeded. And he said, okay, go and, uh, and worship, um, but you have to come back. And Moses wanted to take their livestock, their children, everything with them, so they're going and not coming back. Moses said, okay. Now, I'm sorry, Pharaoh said, okay, just to get him to pray to God so he can remove the plague from them. So Moses prayed, took his word for it, and they removed the plague. And as soon as they started moving, he didn't let them move and he deceived them. This is like a partial obedience where I'll obey because it's in my best interest. Or I'll obey some of it, but I can't do all of it. And Pharaoh was thinking, okay, if I let them all go, then where are my workers going to come from? No, I'll let them go for a little bit and then I'll let them come back. This partial obedience. The same thing happened with the rich young ruler. If you remember, um, in, Ma in Mark chapter 10, he, uh, um, he came to the Lord and said to him, uh, Teacher, all these, when he said to him, How is it that we can go to the kingdom of heaven? He says that you know the commandments, do not bear false witness, do not defraud on your father and mother, and so on. So he responded and said, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth. So the Lord looked to him and loved him and said, One thing you lack, go your way, sell whatever you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, take up the cross and follow me. So he said, okay, I've, I've obeyed these commandments from my youth. But when the Lord told him to take up his cross, give up what was dear to him, and to follow him, he refused. He couldn't do it. And he went away sorrowful. Or he went away and the Lord was sorrowful. Because he couldn't have this complete obedience. It's just a partial obedience. Do we read anywhere in scripture where the Lord gave us, you know, as just a set of, you know, commandments, it says, okay, this is kind of like a buffet or like a, you pick two, like a Panera, right? Here's the options you have and just pick two of all that you have. Pick a few of the commandments that you like and this will be sufficient. Do you ever say this? No. All the commandments were meant for us to obey them in full and in whole. Yes, some of them are, are, are difficult and some of them is challenging for us and will take us multiple times, but this doesn't mean that we don't do it. You know, so this partial obedience is obeying, wanting to obey some, but not all. And we have to keep one thing in mind. <clears throat> the road to disobedience begins with deviation. I repeat it again. The, word, the, um, the road to disobedience to God begins with deviation. If I deviate ever so slightly, this is the beginning of disobedience. 
right? If you look, for example, in the world around us today, the general acceptance of homosexual marriage and union and all of these things, right? How did this begin? It, of course, it's clearly against the scripture, right? And against God's command, against, God, against nature and against God's creation, right? But how did it begin? It began by a slight deviation. If I can just get people to feel sorry and to sympathize with them, and then their emotions begin, okay, these people aren't so bad or their actions aren't so bad, and they begin to you know, deviate just a little, and this was the beginning. Now look at it. Now they're adding letter after letter after letter, and now have gone mad. They said, okay, now instead of two genders, there's maybe 99 different genders. Halas, right? Because what, how did it begin? By a slight deviation. The road to disobedience begins with, dis with deviation. <clears throat> Number three, this is the delayed obedience. This one's, you know, it's not too bad, but it's, uh, it still, you know, has it, its weakness. If you remember, the Lord told us a parable of two sons. And the parable goes something like this. A man had two sons, and he came to the first and said, Son, go work today in my vineyard. And he answered and said, I will not. But afterward he regretted it and went. Then he came to the second and, like, and said likewise. And he answered and said, I go, sir. But he did not go. Which of the two did the will of his fathers? And every time I, I remember this, I remember the countless times that my parents told me to do something. And then after they, 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 I didn't do it, I felt bad and I went to help them. My dad would just often come and say, uh, uh, son, I want you to come and help me cut the grass. And this is like early morning on Saturday and this is my day to sleep. So it's like 6.30 before the sun comes up. And I'm saying, leave me alone, I'm tired, let me sleep. And then somehow he'd end up cutting the grass in front of my room. So as soon as I heard that lawnmower going and it's in front of my room, I felt bad. So I woke up and I went and did the whatever kind of remainder, right? So this delayed obedience. It's not, it's not good. It's better to obey, you know, from the beginning. And also reminds me of uh, my own children. You know, ask them to do something and they're ignoring, ignoring, they don't do anything. And then once I get up, then what happens? <laughs> then they go and do what, what I asked them. Or as soon as I threaten them, and then they get up and do what we asked them. This is kind of like the delayed obedience. But sometimes if we delay too much, we could, you know, it could risk any our salvation. Remember the parable of the five wise and five foolish virgins? <clears throat> Both of them were virgins. Both of them were righteous. Both of them devoted themselves to the bridegroom. But then it came a point where the bridegroom came and one group was ready and one group wasn't. One group delayed and one group didn't, right? The ones that delayed, what did they do? They went into the marketplace to go buy oil for themselves. What happened when they returned? The door was shut. There's an opportunity. There's a window of opportunity. If we continue to delay in obedience, when the Lord tells us that I want to hear your voice, I want to see your face in prayer, and I want you to know me, and I want to know you and, and reading scripture, and we keep delaying tomorrow, 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 then maybe tomorrow will never come. And when the final bell sounds and the trumpet sounds, it might be too late, right? So there is, you know, if I obey after a delay, that's okay. But if I delay, or if I keep delaying my obedience, tomorrow may never come. So we have to be careful of this delayed obedience. The fourth is 
the obedient complainer, the one who obeys but is disgruntled doing so. <clears throat> this person might obey but complains. This reminds me of the elder son in the parable of the prodigal son. Remember that parable? We had two sons. The younger son took half of his father's wealth, spent it on prodigal living, went and uh, begged, and then he returned to the father. Right? And when the father accepted him and he returned, what happened to the older son? It was disgruntled. Right? You know, how is it that this son, you know, did this, and then you accept him back? Listen to what the father responds to the older son or the older son, how he speaks to the father. He says, Lo, these many years I have been serving you, I never transgressed your commandment at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. So this older son, although he was obeying his father in the house, but he was disgruntled doing so, right? He felt like the father owed him something. He owed him a party. He owed him a young calf. But the father responded, everything that I have is yours. You know, I never denied you this. But he felt this sense of entitlement. And this is what happens. If I obey the commandment of God while complaining, you know, this gives me the sense of even entitlement with God. Right? This is why it's very dangerous. And nowadays, the amount of complaining, and I think, you know, because of all that we have, we look at what we don't have and we complain about what we don't have. So even this carries over to our spiritual life. We look at the many things that God has blessed us with, but we yet will complain about the things we don't have. We'll be in the Father's house while complaining about the things that we don't have you know, outside. Um, th those who uh, obey by, uh, while complaining suffer from entitlement. They feel that the world owes them something. And this is very, you know, you know, we have to be very cautious when we raise our children and even maybe perhaps ourselves. We need to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves, do I have this issue of entitlement, right? Do I feel like the world owes me something? And how do we teach our kids this? We teach them, you know, this entitlement by spoiling them. Everything they ask, they ought to receive. And if they don't receive it, so even if parents are capable of giving their children everything that they want, but we still shouldn't you know, do this. So they can learn that I don't need everything that I want. right? And we should do the same for ourselves. Perhaps I'm a successful you know, um, professional and I make enough money to get everything that I want. But even in this, there should be some discipline where, okay, I'm not going to get what I want when I want because this will put in me the spirit of entitlement. And then this will go with God. But this doesn't work with God, right? It doesn't work with God. We were not entitled, entitled to anything, right? It's only by His grace and His mercy that we're even here today and able to partake of the, His holy body and His precious blood. The, uh, the fifth type of uh, obedience is the questioned obedience. The questioned obedience. Where I obey, but while I'm obeying, I'm questioning what's, what's going on. There's a story in the Old Testament about uh, Balaam and Balak and the talking donkey. I'm sure you all remember this from Sunday school. Um, so Balaam was like the prophet and Balak was like the king. And, um, and he was, he, the Balaam, who was a prophet, was tempted by fame and fortune. He wanted all the promises that Balak you know, promised him of the fame and fortune that goes along with doing as the king pleases. So... 
Um, Balaam asked God several times if he should go uh, with the king's messenger to Balak to curse Israel. But even after God had already made clear to him that this is not his will, he kept going back and questioning God. Why? Because he wanted the money and the fame to go with it. But at the same time, his conscience was like, I can't just go against God. How am I going to be a prophet? Right? So he kept nagging. He kept going back. So he obeyed, yes, but reluctantly. And his heart was wanting to say no, but because of the situation, he had to say yes. How many times do we do that? Perhaps maybe as a servant, I'll say, I really want to do this and go to this place that perhaps isn't suitable. But because I'm a servant, I, I can't. So I'm refusing, not because I want to keep myself pure and holy and, be in God, and obeying in God's commandments. No, but because I don't want to look bad in front of other people. Right? Or I don't want to tarnish the reputation that I have. What is my obedience? Is it this questioned obedience? <clears throat> it's almost as if we're saying to God, Are you sure, God? Are you sure? Can't I do this much and still be acceptable? You know, it's this questioned obedience. Rooted in our desire to conform uh, God's will to our own reason rather than our will to God's reason. This is rooted in we, wanting, we want God to conform to our plan rather than us conform to his plan. The last type of obedience, and this is the ideal obedience, this is the sincere obedience. And this is God's desire for you and I. And the sincere desire to be guided by the commandment of God. If you remember in the, in the life of St. Peter, he heard the commandment of God that said, he who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life for my sake will find it. So we heard him say this. Then it came to the night where the Lord was going to be taken to be tried on uh, Good Friday and in uh, or the garden, the evening of the garden uh, after they had had supper. Um, the Lord told the disciples of his coming capture and crucifixion. And St. Peter said, you know, and he spoke Kida and he said, even if I have, have to die with you, I will not deny you. Just a few hours later, what happened with St. Peter? He denied him three times. So we do look at this phrase from St. Peter as this, he was lying or he was deceiving. No, this was sincerely his desire, was that he won't deny him even if he has to die for him. But what happened was in the moment of weakness, he became weak. This perhaps maybe relates to some of us. This isn't disobedience. This is weakness, right? And perhaps with every trial of, and every time we disobey and we fail, we can grow closer to obeying him with courage and in faith, right? So St. Peter, when he said this, he relates with us because he expresses a true, sincere desire and he wants to fulfill it but is weak. This is what happens when we come in repentance. When I come and repent, I need to be like this, like St. Peter and say, I'm sorry, I, didn't, I don't like this sin and I don't want to do it. I can't come to Abuna and say to him, you know, I did so and so. With no regard, no regret, this isn't true repentance. right? This is disobedience, but it's not of this um, sincere type. I don't have this desire for sincere repentance. There's also a story uh, in the church of St. Simon the Tanner. Right, and 
what happened with him, he was such a righteous man. He's the one who moved the Mokatta mountain in Egypt um, through his prayers. But there came a, a point, and he read scripture, he knew scripture, he knew, like, if your eye causes you to sin, pluck it out. This was the command. So when he was a shoemaker, a woman came to fix her shoe, and he looked at her leg, and he felt so bad for looking at her leg, he went and he plucked his eye out. Of course, this is not the purpose and the any this is not what God intended when he said the commandment but he's saying the intent was if there is a sin that is like that will cause us to sin we have to be able to get rid of it even if it hurts us it's almost like saying okay if my cell phone causes me to sin then I need to get rid of it this is perhaps like many of us some people might rather give up an eye and an arm than give up the cell phone but this is how hard it is so give up the cell phone. this is what he means here if there's anything sin that we're tied to so much we need to give it up as if we're casting our eye. But this man, in his simplicity and his sincerity, he plucked his eye out, right? To the point where he, he was so devoted to obeying the commandment of God that he implemented it physically, right? It was so sincere. I pray that, you know, um, that we can be in sincere in obeying the commandments of God. And consider our, our, our lives and our obedience to God. Is there proud refusal in my life? Is there partial obedience in my life where I want to pick and choose? Is there delayed obedience where people are telling me and God's telling me over and over again to obey, but I'm just delaying? Or is there, um, am I a complainer, an obedient complainer? I'm obeying because I have to and I'm complaining while obeying. Or am I obeying and questioning while I'm obeying? Are you sure, God? Is this really the way? Is this the best way? Is this the way for me? I pray that God will keep us, you know, uh, in obedience to Him, because at the end of the day, our obedience will determine whether we are of the kingdom of heaven or we are the kingdom of Beelzebub. To God be the glory forever and ever. Amen.